This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. AM570 in LA Sports Icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney, Rodney Pete. It's available on the iHeartRadio app or on AM570LASports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, the big Friday show where anything goes and we don't care. Fred Rogan, Rodney P. on AM570 LA Sports. Uh, today, between now and three, we're giving away Pro Flowers. How about that? One gift card, Pro Flowers? I like that. All right, what we'll do, do is what are we going to play this hour? Who dis? When we play who dis, if you win who dis, you get the Pro Flowers. If you okay. lose who dis, we'll open it up for everybody. Want to do that? I like that. Or, like that. or maybe we'll switch it. We'll do norms this hour and pro flowers later. You're getting something. You're getting something during the noon hour. We guarantee you Well, you, you know, that. if we're going to do it by you get it if you win, we probably will just say we're going to open it up for everyone, Fred. Because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I kind of never lost, Fred. Yeah, you, you've never lost. Never right. lost. Hey, my God, Kawhi's back. He laughed. How about that? <laughs> he's back. Yeah, he's back, back last night. That's good. He's back. That's good. Uh, Rob Parker's on the show at 1 o'clock. Vinny Bonsignor will be on at 2.30. Ronnie, we got a Rivalry Week stuff ready to go here. Ronnie, rivalry. cue it up. Cue up Rivalry, rivalry Week. Let's go. Rivalry Week. Let's do it. Rivalry week. Rivalry week. Oh. Rivalry week. Rivalry week. Okay, that whispering actually is not the real open to rivalry week. This is. All right. Rivalry week. Tomorrow you'll hear the game right here on the radio. Oh, you'll hear it on 1150 tomorrow, as a matter of fact, because we have Clippers. So you'll hear the game on AM 1150 tomorrow, UCLA and USC. Game has... uh, Huge implications for USC, UCLA as well. UCLA wins yeah. that game; it just boom drives a stake into USC. What does it do for UCLA player. if they win? Like, what does it do? Makes them smile. I mean, I know other than bragging, you know, rights that they have for the city, which is, which is a big thing. So don't, don't, don't. I'm not trying to belittle that because it is a big thing when you have the rights all year long to say we whoop the the team across town. That yeah. is a big thing. But what actually does it mean since UCLA lost to Arizona last week where they had a golden opportunity to make this game a huge game? Kind of like we did it back in 87-88, Fred, when I was under center. Yeah. But they lost. They lost. So what does this mean for UCLA? They win. What happens? All right, let me ask you a question. You tell me. They beat USC. Is it possible that they can still play for the Pac-12 championship? Right. Oh. Is it possible? They will have beaten USC. Right. So depending on how everything else shakes out, they could play for the Pac-12 championship. They're not going I to the think, national the, the national playoff. Right. I think you doesn't uh, Utah and Oregon play this weekend too, correct? I believe. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think something has to happen in that game. I'm not sure exactly what, but maybe I believe that probably Utah has to beat Oregon since Oregon beat UCLA. Um, so Utah would have to beat Oregon, which would put Utah in it and give Oregon a couple of couple of losses or maybe three losses. I'm not sure. But then that would vault UCLA probably into the to the title game. But then you got to think about Washington. Right. They're they're kind of lurking back there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not north and south anymore. It's just the two best teams. Right. Which I like. Yeah, I like it, too. Yeah, I think it makes complete and total sense in that regard. Adam, do you have something? Adam is filling in for Kevin today. Yeah, I got a little update here on what it would take for UCLA to get in. They got to beat USC, obviously, then Cal. And then they want Washington to lose at least once to Colorado or Washington State. Uh, No matter who wins, Utah versus Oregon on Saturday night, that's really the situation for them. Either one of those teams teams are in, Adam, Oregon or Utah. Whoever wins is in. Uh, no, I just don't think it affects UCLA in that way. Oh. They're both eight and two. They're both six and one in conference. But they need at least Washington to lose to Colorado or Washington State. So Washington's not losing to Colorado. We know that. Yeah, Washington State is really the only chance. Yeah, and that's a wild card. You don't know what'll happen. But so there are implications for UCLA in this game as well. Uh, Bill Plasky wrote in the Times this morning, Rodney was in the piece, and we had a caller bring it up yesterday, if you remember. I can't remember what the caller was supposed to be talking about. Maybe it was the haiku, or maybe he was playing one of the games, but then he kind of did his own show, and he talked about the fact that for the first time in the history of this game, there will be two black starting quarterbacks. Did you even realize that, Rodney, as we got, you know, a couple of weeks ago that that would be the case? Uh, I did. I did, Fred. Uh, play, you know, kind of attention to it because I'm directly in it, basically. Um, it was also, you know, brought up several times, and not, I guess not widely, but that, uh, you know, Caleb Williams really is the first starting black quarterback since, since I played at USC. So, yeah, a lot of those things have been, you know, since the start of the season, that, that was brought up to me when he was starting the first game and transferred from Oklahoma. Um but then, yeah, a few weeks ago, it was brought up that uh, Caleb Williams and DTR will be the first time two black quarterbacks play each other in this rivalry game, um, which in 2022 is kind of kind of very odd and interesting that it's uh, taken this long for that to happen, considering that, you know, the evolution of allowing black players to play quarterback um, – has kind of subsided over the over the over the last decade or so, where you're seeing a lot more in college football, and and, and more importantly, you're seeing more in in the NFL. So it's it, it is kind of shocking that it's the first time that it's it's ever happened. It's funny because you know, for some people, things will never change fast enough, and for other people, all right, things have changed. I didn't even realize that when I read it. Because to me, it would have seemed so normal that it wouldn't have even had to be brought up. Yeah, you would think in 2022, right? Well, I mean, it's that, like, oh, of course it happened before. Of course it did. It's, yeah. it's 2022, of course it's it, it's happened. But no, no, it hasn't. And and what's interesting, yeah, that that there there haven't been a whole lot of uh, at either school black quarterbacks at either school. 
over the years. When you were coming out of high school, you've told the story, but when you were coming out of high school, didn't everybody look at you as a receiver and only yeah. a few schools looked at you as a quarterback? Yeah, there were a number of schools. I, I would say not a few. It was, I would say about half and half. And then we're talking major college schools that that wanted me to play a wide receiver or defensive back. Um, you know, I was like I was. I was. I, I I played quarterback in high school, but I also you know was was uh, athletic in high school and was able to run around and make make uh, plays with my legs as well as my arm and um, played multiple sports. So I think people didn't coming out that time, didn't look at me as a quarterback. They said, well, he's an athlete, so he can play multiple positions. And if there's any question or any, you know, anything to compare, or if there's a chance that he can play another position, let's push that other position. So schools like Penn State and Notre Dame, and and uh, there are a few other ones in the Big Ten that, that wanted me to play, uh, wanted me to play wide receiver, Fred. And that's not, that's not what I wanted. I was very... Um, and, and by the way, that's I'm not the only one that's happened to. There are a number of number of people that I know, played with, played against, know to this day that were forced to play another position, even though they played quarterback their whole entire life through high school, that were forced to play another position and forced to um uh or or go to another school. And so it, it definitely happened in prevalent. And it happened geez, it happened at at USC, often happened at other places where there were quarterbacks in high school that that were for Curtis Conway, big time receiver, All Pro receiver, turned out to be great for USC as a receiver, but was a I believe All State quarterback in high school, and uh, USC and other school. I don't think there was very many schools that recruited him as a as a quarterback. When you would go on these recruiting visits. Would you tell the coaches there, I want to play quarterback? Or was it just at the schools where you weren't, it wasn't even a conversation? Well, it, it got to be a point where I was very, very upfront, And I was lucky enough to have a dad in the business and coaching and understood the recruiting game. So I made it very clear that I was not going to visit a school if they wanted me to play another position. So I didn't even, I didn't even waste my time with a Penn State or Notre Dame or uh, some of the other schools that wanted me to play uh, play a different position. So I, I only went to the schools that were going to allow me to play quarterback. Also, I only went to the schools that were going to allow me to play baseball as well. And you picked USC because? Because they were very upfront and said that I would be able to play quarterback and also that I would also be baseball. And USC had a track record of having black quarterbacks playing uh, when I was coming out of high school. It was Jimmy Jones, uh, who played in the early 70s, and then Vince Evans, who I really admired growing up watching USC play, uh, was a big fan of Vince Evans in the in the mid-70s playing for USC. So um, looking at that going, okay, they, they're not just saying that. They actually have quarterbacks that – black quarterbacks that actually played for them. So – they're, they're not lying. They're not giving me lip service. So there's an opportunity for me to, to, to play there. Whereas some of these other schools, you know, they say, oh, yeah, we'll let you play. But they have no history of having any black quarterback play for them. And you didn't think you would be the first one? And I didn't think I'd be the first one. Yeah. And ironically, Stanford was one of those schools. Stanford, who I did go visit, because they told me all along that I would be able to play quarterback. And, you know, good baseball program there, too, as well. 
uh, very excited. I was a fan of John Elway at the time and uh, really, you know, was enamored. If you're a quarterback coming out of high school, you know, at that time in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, Stanford was a quarterback dream to go play there because they threw it more than anybody else. They, they probably were more in tune to the offenses now than, than any other school that was out there. Stanford would throw it up all over the place. So as a quarterback, you got excited about that. But I got there, and even though they told me this, on my visit, I would hang out and hung out with several players, and a number of them came up to me and said, hey, I know they're telling you you're going to recruit you as a quarterback, but they are not going to let you play quarterback here. The kids and on the team they, told you that. The kids on the team told me that, yeah. And I don't know if they've had one, to be honest with you. But the kids on it, they certainly didn't have one when I when I was being recruited. There was not a black quarterback that ever played for Stanford or started for Stanford. Um, and I don't know how many they've had uh, since that time. But, yeah, the kids on the players on the team were like, don't don't come here. That, that was brutally honest. And I got to give it up to them uh, because they were straight up with me and really gave me a heads up not to go to Stanford because uh because of that reason. Not that I would have gone anyway, but they were they were high on my list. But as soon as they told me that, and after I came back from that visit, they had been checked off the list. Was Bill Walsh the coach then or no? No. Believe it or not, it was Jack Elway. Jack Elway. John's, John's dad. Yeah. 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 And I think Wynn got back to him, and he was he was, he was was pissed about it. He was pissed about it that uh, that, that kind of funneled back to him that that was the reason why – I, I stopped talking to them because if you remember, he, he was very successful at San Jose state with quarterbacks with, and at San Jose yeah. state, he had a number of black quarterbacks right. at San Jose state. Like one of the guys that's out there is the quote quarterback guru. Steve Clarkson was, was one of his quarterbacks set a bunch of records at San Jose state. In fact, they used to beat Stanford when they go head to head. And that was interesting because John Elway was a quarterback at time and San Jose state beat Stanford a couple times when Jack Elway was the coach. Yeah, I would think he'd get yeah. upset about that because also it wasn't yeah. very good for his program. <laughs> no. <laughs> they have no, his own player no. saying that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And uh, you know, we we you know, we think and I you said something because you, you you look around and you sometimes become a little bit numb to to where we are as a society, where we are as as a country, where we are, especially in athletics that those days are over with until, you know, something like this is pointed out and you go, oh, my God, right. really? Yeah. You know, because on the surface, it doesn't seem that way because now we look at the NFL and there, you know, there's at least double-digit black quarterbacks playing in the league and and starting. And so you think, okay, the stigma the stigma is, is kind of over with now and, and we're seeing – you know, Russell Wilson and Geno Smith and Lamar Jackson's and and uh, a, a lot of guys playing and having success playing that, you know, that and, and we're seeing a lot of the older generation GMs and older generation uh, head coaches um, kind of leave the game and that thought process kind of leave the game. So now color of your skin doesn't matter as much as it did in the 80s and 70s and 60s and even the 90s to a certain extent. So that's over with. So we become numb to it as we watch on Sundays and see, oh, yeah, Seattle's got a black quarterback. Denver's got a black quarterback. Baltimore's got a black quarterback, you know. Uh, and, and and so that's not an issue anymore until it's brought up, until you, you look at it and go, 
wow, this is the first time USC UCLA has had two black quarterbacks play each other. Yeah. Uh, you know? Historic. Historic moment for the game. Now, what yeah. are the great stories? I think we should do it now because it, it lives in the lore of Los Angeles sports I history. I was say it lives in the annals. No, no, the annals. The annals, right. No, that's where Arthel and Fred show lived, in the annals of television history. Oh, Arthel and Fred, boy. Let's yeah. bring that back. Let's resurrect that. Let's not. Let's not do no, that. No, that wasn't a good experience for you, Fred? It, it was a, a learning experience, and it was fun to do. But, no, we're not bringing that back. No, 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 no. That lasted 13 <laughs> weeks. Yeah, that was. There are all kinds of stories about that. Uh, let's talk about it was your senior year. The battle yes. between USC yes. and UCLA. Now, set up how the teams were, what was at stake, and then explain what happened. Uh, okay, so yeah, the year is 1988. And going into that season, both uh, USC and UCLA were highly ranked. There was a lot of anticipation for the season. We had played each other the year before in 87. UCLA was a heavy favorite in that game in 87. Uh, which we played at the Coliseum, and we ended up uh, beating UCLA and going to the Rose Bowl that year, and um, was a huge upset for us. But we, it was it was pretty exciting. So going into the next year, I think we both were ranked in the top ten going into the season, and and very similar to this year, Fred. Uh, UCLA was riding high. Uh, Troy Aikman was court. That was star. That was probably. Um, 20 NFL guys that played in that game um, in, in 88. There were a number of guys that went on and played on Sunday. So, uh, going like I said, going into that season, we were both highly ranked. And then UCLA had it rolling. They were undefeated, undefeated, ranked number one in the country. Uh, two weeks, and we, 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 we were undefeated as well. So, we kept it rolling too. And I think we were fifth or, or so, kind of leading up. Or no, we were we were fourth leading up to that game, and uh, UCLA two weeks br- prior to that had lost to Washington State. Lost to was similar, like like the Arizona game that they just lost. Right, lost to Washington State at home at the Rose Bowl that knocked them out of that number one ranking. Um, so it was it was bad, and people, you know, the reason I get excited when UCLA is good from a USC standpoint, because I remember those days. I remember 87, 88, where so much was at stake in that game. The excitement level was through the roof. And so you wanted, you loved that both teams were good and that you were really playing for something. And we were playing for a Rose Bowl berth. But they had lost that game. They dropped, to, I think, seventh in the country um, at that point. And then uh, I think Miami moved up to number one. We moved down to number three. And so when we played each other, I think we were three, they were seven, but still everything was on the line because they still only had one loss. Right. And so whoever won that game was going to go to the Rose Bowl. And we had just beaten Arizona State the week before and killed them, beat them 50 to nothing, and we're riding high. We come home Sunday night. Uh, we come home, and then Sunday I start to feel like flu-like symptoms and just not feeling right. By Sunday night, I was throwing up. I was just not not myself, and I just thought it was a flu. But then, thank God, I was, you know, was playing on the football team because I called the trainers, and they said, you know, come over to the training room, which they can, you know, 24-7 if you need it. 
and they did some tests on me and they said, we got to, let's just go check you into the hospital just to be safe. You, did just you have any safe. idea? Wait, did you have any idea? I had idea? no idea what I, what I had, what was going on, but I couldn't keep anything down. My fever was, you know, I want to say 105, 106. So they were nervous and this is Sunday night. So they were nervous. So let's check in the hospital. It turns out they did tests, you know, when I got there and I had the measles. And getting the measles at 21 years old at that time was like, ooh, this is not just something you get, you know, as a child. Right. You don't get it when you're older. And and so it was really odd to them. So they kept me in the hospital to do more tests. As those days go, went on, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got worse. Uh, I lost 15 pounds in like four days of being in that hospital. They had to feed me through, you know, through a tube. And I just kept getting worse and getting worse throughout that day. But it was such a big week, Fred, that the headlines every single day, because I wasn't practicing, and we, we didn't have social media, so it was not a whole lot, but it was headline after headline, Pete misses practice. Pete is not at practice. Is he going to play? And as Wednesday and Thursday rolled around, it became a real national story that whether or not I was going to play because I hadn't practiced. Did anybody reporters... know where you were? Did anybody know what was going on? So the funny thing about it is um, – I, I checked into USC Medical Center on that Sunday night that I was feeling bad. Then on Tuesday, word got out that I was in the hospital. And there were trucks and papers and everybody, you know, kind of hovering around the hospital that it became a nuisance. It became a problem. So they ended up moving me to Long Beach <laughs> in the middle of the night. No, uh, <laughs> in, the in the middle, middle of, of the night. night. In the middle of the night, they moved me to Long Beach. I checked in under a different name. My name was Willie Jackson. <laughs> and, and I remember that because it's my, my dad's first name and my mom's last name. So I checked myself in. They checked me in as Willie Jackson. So I'm in a hospital in Long Beach on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday uh, under Willie Jackson. Nobody could find out who I was or where I was. Uh, but I was sitting in that hospital bed, and it wasn't until Thursday evening that I started to feel a little bit better that I knew, okay, I, I, I think I can play. Because Wednesday, there was no way I, I was going to be able to play. I could not get out of bed. I had aches and pains all over, had measles, had these red spots all over me. And as a black man, the red spots turned maroon, so they didn't look too good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so my so by Thursday night, I started to feel a little bit better. I was like, okay, I'll I let the coaches know. I'm, I'm, as soon as I get out of here, I'll be able to play. But then the question became, um, is it going to be healthy enough for me to play? Is it safe for me to play? Did the coaches come and see you, you know? during the week? Yeah. Yeah, they came in. It's kind of like the pandemic now that we just went through. Coaches came in with mask on and probably a hazmat suit, I think they had one of them, because uh, he didn't want to get sick. But, uh, yeah, they came in because they they had to go over the game plan with me. If I was going to play to keep me just – in case I was going to play, they wanted to update me on what's going on. Coach, uh, our, our offensive coordinator at the time, a guy named Chuck Stobart, brought a projector and film, and we would watch film in the hospital room um, getting ready for the game. And thank God he didn't get sick because there was an outbreak on campus at USC. And so a number of people – and. It became a thing where everybody had to get tested and to get. It was kind of like the pandemic now, on campus. It was mandatory if you lived on campus that you had to go and and get a 
and get checked for measles because there was a big outbreak. And the team was scared because a couple of other guys on the team got it. Um, but, but again, I knew I was going to play Thursday night. So I go to practice, which is a walkthrough on Fridays. Ended up going to practice. They snuck me into practice because they didn't want – at that point, when they knew that I probably was going to play our coaches, then it became a little bit of a gamesmanship, right? It's like, okay, we legitimately didn't know if he was going to play until Friday morning, and which was true. Uh, and then so I snuck to practice and got in there because usually Friday practices are closed to the media. And so I snuck into practice threw the ball around a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be go. And, and, and honestly, it would have took anything. And it took me being on my deathbed not to play in that game. I mean, it's 88. We're undefeated. Uh, UCLA is nine and one. It, it's a Rose Bowl on the line. It is a national championship possibility on the line. Heisman trophy was on the line. I was, I was definitely going to play that game, you know, um, but the crazy part, we got time. Yeah, go ahead. The crazy, uh, the crazy part. I'm just reliving this the whole time. Do I'm it. telling the story. Come on. Uh, the crazy part is Saturday comes, and I'm not. Uh, usually on Saturday nights, we we stay at a hotel. The team stays at a hotel on Friday nights before the game, and the, the tradition was we go to a movie, go to dinner at a restaurant in town, and then uh, stay at a hotel in uh, downtown LA, and then go to the game from the hotel on Saturday afternoon. Um, so I did stay at the hotel in my own room and then got on the bus and we're going to the stadium, which, uh, was crazy traveling. If anybody knows going to the Rose bowl, not easy to get in there. It's like, it takes, excuse me. It takes forever to get in there. So we're on the buses going traveling as we get close, as we get closer to the Rose bowl, you start to see the tailgates. And again, this is a huge game. So everybody's out there, and, and then the, the back story is, am I going to play? Still, at that point, it was still news that I may, I may or may not play. All right. Wait. Let's stop you right there. Yes. So we're going to stop you uh, on, yes. am I going to play? Am I going to play? Perfect. Okay. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I love when you tell the story every year, and every year you add a little yeah. more to it, like <laughs> a few more details come back to right. you. All right. Yeah. So we're going to stop on, am I going to play? Okay. All right, when we come back, you're going to finish the story because that'll get you from yes. am I going to play to what happened in the game. Right. Also, later this hour, we're going to play Who Dis, and we'll do it for uh, Nords. So whoever plays Who Dis, if you win, you get a $50 gift card to Nords. And if not, we'll open it up for everybody else. We'll give you a cue to call for that, but we'll continue the story after this. Ho-ho! Yes! It's here! Rivalry week and rivalry day! We are one day away. We don't care. We don't care. No. Fred no. Rogan. Tomorrow's the big day. Yep. Yes, Freddie. All, All right. right. So, let's, so pick, let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. Still don't know. Friday's here. Right. And 
we're getting on the bus, going to the game from the hotel, traveling to Pasadena to the Rose Bowl. As we get closer to the Rose Bowl, you start to see the cars, and they're all decorated, cardinal and gold, blue and gold, USC signs, UCLA signs, they're everywhere. And as you start to go down that hill into the parking lot of the Coliseum, which is right on the golf course, um, people are tailgating everywhere. Tailgates, tailgates all up, and it's crazy. Um, and remember, at that time, Fred, not not to take any shots all right. at my folks across town, yeah, but it was at a time because – because UCLA, Terry Donahue, Troy Aikman, they had it rolling at the time over there at UCLA. So there was no need, no need for the tarps in the stands, Fred. Okay. No needs to block off sections. All right? It was every bit of 106,000 people in the stands at the Rose Bowl. Every seat. Every seat was filled and taken. Right. So you can imagine people getting there early for the game, tailgating, we pull up in the buses, and I usually always ride the first bus, um, and it was kind of designated offensive bus, defensive bus, and then whatever bus. Um, so I was usually on the first bus, and we pulling in, and as we get closer to the stadium, and there's a designated area that the buses pull in, it's kind of down the ramp towards the locker room, so you can kind of get off the bus and go right into the locker room. As we get closer to that, there were a sea of students, UCLA students, waiting for our bus. And I'm like, why? This is unusual. Why are they waiting for our bus? Are they going to throw rocks at us? Whatever. And so you get closer and closer. I see a lot of white. And then you see these students, these women, dressed in nurses' outfits. Okay. You see guys dressed in doctor's outfits and doctor's scrubs. And they got the mask and they got everything. They got the, yeah, they got the stethoscopes. And the nurses got their white, you know, skirts on and shoes. And then I started looking and they all got red dots on their face. (laughs) (laughs) I pull it in. They all got, I mean, mean, it must have been a thousand students waiting for our bus and they got red dots on their face. They got signs. Um, I, I can't even tell you what all some of them said, but it was like, you know, quarantine this and quarantine that. Um, you know, for Pete's sake, stay home. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff that they would say. And, and nobody knew I, yet if you were playing. No, okay. they didn't know. I mean, our team knew. Right. Our team knew I was going to give it a shot to go play. I didn't know I was going to respond, but I was definitely going to start that game. So our team knew. They didn't know. UCLA didn't know because we didn't we didn't divulge whether or not I was going to play or not. We didn't tell them. We didn't tell the media. We didn't tell anybody. Um, and so we pull in. Finally, we pull in, get to the stadium. I see all of that. I'm just laughing at that time. I was like, this is crazy. And by the way, earlier, I think it was Friday morning, um, I'm waking up because of trouble sleeping, waking up early. And I think it was Good Morning America, the Today Show, had it, had the story of whether or not I was going to play in the game. And I'm like, man, this I'm a kid from Tucson, Arizona, and I'm on Good Morning America, people talking about whether or not I'm going to play in this, this football game, which is crazy. Um, but again, all the implications of it, the national title, Rose Bowl, Heisman, all that stuff was in play. Um, and so I'll get there, get dressed, and 
it's just people wondering, wondering, and get out and start walking out down the tunnel at the Rose Bowl, run out on the field, and we usually go out probably an hour and a half early for our warm-ups before the game starts. It was probably the most – there were probably more people in the stands for warm-ups than I would ever seen during my whole time at USC. And I think – and a lot of it was there were USC fans there. But there were a number of UCLA fans wondering if I was going to come out of the tunnel in uniform or not. And when I came out, Fred, there were a sea of Cardinal and Gold people along with the band that gave a cheer for me that if there was any doubt whether I was going to play, they carried me on the field because I was floating at that time. Yeah. Just from warm-ups, running out and hearing our fans – you know, cheer the fact that I was in uniform getting ready to go play this game. And then to start the game and hear the crowd when I ran out for the – because they kicked off to us and we got the ball first. To hear the crowd uh, running out, it was just – it was magical. It was a feeling. You know, people talk about the feeling of smelling the grass and the feeling of playing the game, and that's that's what you miss most when you retire is that adrenaline rust, that those butterflies you get in your stomach – that, that feeling of the crowd cheering you, man, when I ran out for that first play, to get in that huddle and the, and our, our fans cheering, there was nothing like it. I still get chills thinking about it today. I really do. And, and it turned out to be a good day for us. Um, I was exhausted afterwards, but during the game, our defense played well. We played well in that game, uh, ended up winning it. But I, uh, it would definitely go down as, as one of the top two or three memories in my lifetime, just that whole day and that experience. What an incredible story. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. was it like? So did they- It was real. A lot of people to this day, believe it or not, Fred, still think that I was faking it, and we were, we were playing this big hoax, and it was not true that I was actually sick. And so I still, this week, I get, I get asked that question a lot. Where, did you really have the measles? Did you really have it? Um, so yes, absolutely. I had it and, uh, it was a real thing. Did they introduce you? You were playing at the Rose bowl, but yeah. did they introduce you coming out of the tunnel, uh, quarterback no. for the Trojans or, or, no, they or didn't do that. when you took the field for the first time at quarterback no. for USC? No, no, they didn't do that. They didn't do that at that time. They weren't announcing individual players. So it was, it was different, but certainly, uh, when I got to play and then, uh, Started because the rest of the offense was already out on the field. I ran out. I that that moment. I wish I could bottle that moment and and just keep it and pull it out whenever I want it because that feeling of support that I got running on that field for that first play was was uh, was amazing. And you you know you get that feeling like there is there is absolutely no way we're losing this game. Absolutely no way we're losing this game. And I think that rubbed off on on the rest of the team because they didn't have a they didn't have a great game. It was it was good enough, but it wasn't a great game in in the way I played all season long. But it was good enough for us to win. It was steady, and uh, the the whole team uh, carried carried me and us that day. So it was it was a moment, Fred. It was a, it was a great moment. Again, like I said, a hundred and six thousand people. I still listen to the uh, the call from. Uh, um, God, what's our guy's name? He just passed away too a couple years ago. Tom or Mike? 
did all of our games, did all the big games. Keith Jackson. Oh, yes. oh Keith Jackson. Oh, on ABC. Yeah. Not the local radio. Okay. Yeah. Big, big Keith Jackson did the, uh, did the announcement. And I still, there's a, there's a, a clip of him talking about it. And uh, I, I, I listen to it all the time still. I think I might post that again. You should post it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great, great moment. Keith Jackson. I always loved that. That was the big part. I was growing up. I grew up listening to Keith Jackson and those big calls and those big games. Rolling Tide and, oh, Nelly and all that. Oh, man, I loved it. Uh, he so was the you best. get a chance to play, play and hear him announce your games. Are you kidding me? Come on now, Fred. No, I'm telling you, I think. And yeah. you had him call your game, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yes. And by the way, if you knew Keith, and uh, he lived out here, so many of us that worked in the media did, what a gentleman, what a great guy. But uh, he yeah. was the voice of college yes. football. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He, he was great. Yeah, that voice and the way he called it. And like you said, a, a great guy, because we, we got a chance to meet him before the games when they do the interviews with the players. Um, but just a great and a big man. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah he was. Uh-huh. Just the nicest uh-huh. guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Honestly, thank you for sharing that. I, You know, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a pain to ask you every year, but it's one of the great stories nah, in the history great. of L.A. sports. It's great. It's great. That's what makes this so so special because, I, you know, that's my story. But that's so many other players. I think families have stories that that – last a lifetime about this game and about leading up to this week. And we joke about families being divided, how husband may be USC and wife is UCLA and kids are split up. Um, it's such a, a unique thing. I'm so happy that they went back to, to wearing both teams, wearing the home jerseys. Nice. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So much better. So much better. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a great unique rivalry that uh, needs to be celebrated and it's always better. When both teams are good. Well, there's one you tell your friends about for the podcast. You know, when we get off the air, we put the podcast right up. Get the free iHeartRadio app. You can listen to the show wherever you go, live streaming. Or you can listen to the podcast. So uh, anybody, you know, that wasn't listening today during the noon hour that joins us most of the time. Tell him to pick up the podcast. Listen to Rodney's story. Honestly, I look forward to it every year. All right, who's going to play Who Dis? And who if wants you, up? You, if you win Who Dis, Norms! You're going to Norms. You're getting a gift card from Norms. Bring on the T-Bones. Enjoy Norms three-quarter pound T-Bone steak and eggs hash browns. Two buttermilk hotcakes, only $15.99. Visit oh, yeah. any Norms restaurant or order online at norms.com. 866-987-2570. Let's go. Somebody jump up here. Try to win Norms next. Oh, let's go. Today's afternoon delight is Let Yourself Free by Fitz and the Tantrums. This song appears on the group's new album of the same name, which debuted last week. In an interview, group frontman Michael Fitzpatrick said, this might be my favorite record we've ever made. I tried to pull in threads from my early albums and my solo record. I got back to the soul and Motown vibes as well. It's a special place for my voice. I'm trying to pull a full circle thread. 
The group will embark on a multi-city North American tour early next year, which includes a stop at the Belasco Theater in downtown L.A. Again, today's afternoon delight is Let Yourself Free by Fitz and the Tantrums. Norm's All Day Breakfast Value is here. Enjoy Norm's 321 Breakfast for only $8.99. Order at norms.com. Norms! Linnell and Venice, you ready? I'm ready. Hey, happy Friday, Fred and Rodney. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. All right, Linnell, uh, what are you playing for today? I, you, I guess it's a Norm's uh, gift card. Norm! Aha! You know it. You know it. <laughs> Good luck. Ronnie, you ready? Yeah, baby. Happy Friday, gentlemen. Let's play. Shout it out when you know it. Good luck to all. If Linnell wins, he gets the card to Norm's. If not, it's free for all. Everybody gets a crack at it. Oh, you get one challenge. Use your challenge. It's accepted. You keep it. Use your challenge. It's denied. We've changed the rules. You are locked out of the next question. Here we go. I was a 24th overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft. What pick? Uh, 24 overall. Darvin Ham. 24? The answer to Darvin Ham is no. 24 is correct. 96. Yep. Eminently. Eric Snow. No. Doc Rivers. No. Wow, Ronnie. I'm a five. Ray Allen? No. I'm a five-time NBA champ. Five-time. Count him. Ooh. Five-time NBA champ. Robert Ory's incorrect. Kobe Bryant. No. Shaquille O'Neal. No. Uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony. Michael Jordan. No, no. Uh, Scottie Pippen. No. I was selected by the Lakers in the same draft as Kobe Bryant. Yes, he was. Damn right. Derek Fisher. There you go. Rodney's on the board. Derek Fisher. Nice pull. Here's your next one. I'm a three-time Super Bowl champion. Three-time Super Bowl champion. Now you lay it in, Fred. Now I, you lay it I in. see how you're laying it in. <laughs> I see. Very soft touch. Very soft. Yes, baby. Yes. All right. Three-time Super Bowl champ. Who is it? Michael Irvin. No. Emmitt Smith. Troy Aikman. How about new? Oh, my God. Troy Aikman is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Rivalry God. week. Rivalry <laughs> week. <laughs> Linnell, you in playing? What are you doing? I'm waiting, man. Ronnie, I mean, I thought I was going to need a second clue uh, there. Yeah, Ronnie just throwing out uh, answers. He got it. Yeah, yeah, Linnell. It's big time week, baby. Let's go. Come on, baby. That's right. (laughs) Give me a workout today. Come on. Give me a little pregame for tomorrow, Linnell. I got it. I made made eight all-star teams in my Hall of Fame baseball career. Eight? Yeah. Randy Johnson. No, no. Alex Rodriguez. No. Kirby Jr.? No. Why are you saying it like that, Fred? No, disappointed no. Most. Not disappointed. Oh. Eight all-star teams. Manny yeah. Ramirez. Uh, no. No, Senor! Nolan Ryan. No. Kara Kiros. How about new? I won three Cy Young Awards in my career. John Smoltz. No good! Tom Glavin. No. Kurt Schilling? Greg Maddox. No, no. Uh, 
Roger Clemens. No. Oral Hershiser. Nope. I won my only World Series title with the Red Sox in 2004. Kurt Schilling? Ooh. No. Ooh. Pedro Martinez. Uh, Pedro Martinez. Ronnie. Knew it. Damn it. Ronnie's on the board. Get that out. Ronnie's on the board. Mm. Son of a. What? Petey. Petey Martinez. Still got a game going here. Linnell, you got to get this one or you're out. You can't win. All right, uh, I got to get one. Yeah, I got to get one on the board. All right, here we go. You got to do it right now. Come on, Linnell. You got this. You got this. I was the uh, 13th overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft. What pick? Uh, 13. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn it, he was. Who is this guy? I'm an eight-time Pro Bowler and seven-time All-Pro. Damn. Mm -hmm. For real? Mm Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack. Not going to work. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Not going to work. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Uh, I am. Yes. Yes, he is. A three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Aaron Donald. I thought that was maybe a little too early for him, but uh, 2014, huh? Okay. Mm. Don't well, get shut out, Linnell. That's all right. Linnell just got cooked. Oh, Linnell, don't get shut out, though. All right, we, we've got two more questions. You want to play them out, Linnell, see if you get on the board? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I was the ninth overall pick in the 2009 NFL draft. Matt Stafford? <laughs> no. No, he's number one. I know, oh, let me rephrase go. that. There is a typo on the sheet. Oh, Lord. There is a typo on the sheet. I was the ninth overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft. There you go, mm. Freddie. 2009, you said? I did. 2009. Devin Booker? No, no. Good no. try. No, senor! I'm a four-time All-Star. I bet he is. Mm-hmm. I was the Pac-10 Freshman of the Year in my only season at USC. Oh, DeMar Rosen. Guy we wanted, Rodney. That's the guy we wanted. That's the guy we wanted. Guy we didn't get. Damn it. Last clue. La- last question here. All right, Linnell. Just to get on the board. Let's go. Come on, Linnell. Come on. I don't take it easy on you, Linnell. You know me. I go to play to win, baby. I know. Oh, trust me. I know, Ronnie. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Never lost. Never have. <laughs> I've made four all-star teams in my MLB career. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw? No. Justin I've... Verlander? No. Justin Turner? No. Cody Bellinger? No. I've won three World Series titles and was the MVP of the series in 2014. I hold the MLB record for lowest career ERA in the World Series. Oh. Oh. Greg Maddox. No. Oh. He was unhittable. Kurt Schilling? Nope. Get ready, final clue. Randy Johnson. No. No. Uh, Final clue. Tom Seaver. No. And as soon as I start, you're going to get it. Everybody, here we go. Max Munson went at home, once hit a home run off me and told me to go get it out of the air. Madison Baumgartner. Done. Come on. Now. (laughs) 
I knew it. Yeah, he beat me to it. Yeah, Joe. you knew it. You knew it. You knew it, Linnell. All right, Linnell. Well, listen, we appreciate you playing. I'm sorry you didn't win. No! But the good news is, because it, you didn't win, Norse! it opens it up for everybody else. There you go. All right, you guys have a good weekend. Fight on, Ronnie. Fight on, baby. So, because Linnell did not win, we now have Norms to give away and Pro Flowers. We'll do that between now and 3 o'clock. When we come back, was he... I don't know if he was here last week or not. Was he? I think he Rob was. here last week? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he was. He was here in person. Oh, on, oh, he did the show Thursday. And he wow, was, he's not going to be happy, Fred. You don't remember his appearance. God, I can't believe he didn't make mm. that much of an impression. Uh, <laughs> Rob Parker joins us when we come back. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.